Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know, a recent Fidelity investment survey showed that 71% of Americans are concerned about the impact of inflation and a volatile market and how it could impact their retirement goals. So today we're going to outline five related risks, retirement-related risks to avoid in 2022. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin is, uh, well, he's an independent. He's an investment advisor representative. He's a fiduciary. He's been helping folks for more than 30 years through this and that transition into retirement. And, uh, you know, hey, Kevin, what's going on? Hey, you know what? Well, it was another beautiful day in the Valley, and uh, it's always good to be here, Steve. Exactly. Well, yeah. The um, So one of the things, uh, you know, you just talked about, 71% of Americans are concerned about the impact of inflation. Well, yeah, that number seems low to me. <laughs> is is that, yeah, you know, it's, at, at first I looked at it, and I'm thinking that's high, but then the reality is inflation affects all of us, right? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, even if you're even if you're a billionaire, you know, you've got less spending power now than you did, you know, two years ago. Exactly. And and so everybody, everybody has less spending power, and uh, and and uh, you know, you know what? Don't don't shoot me or uh, you know anything like that with this next statement. But but there is a part of me that thinks there are some good things about inflation. All right, and I say don't shoot me because what I'm saying is I think it's a good wake up call. I think it's a good wake up call for anybody thinking about retirement that hasn't taken a look at how that inflation can wipe out your nest egg so much more quickly, and so. Um, I feel for the people that are on the lower end of the, you know, the economic scale because they're the ones that are going to get hurt the most. No question. Anybody that was living paycheck to paycheck, you know, two years ago, they're they're probably struggling right now to make ends meet, and and so it uh, does not appear as though this is going to go away anytime soon. Um, you know, so it's something we definitely want to pay attention to. So uh, inflation is one of the risks that you that you have to look at because you know normally in twenty to twenty five years. Uh, Costs go up about fifty percent, you know, and that's just a two two and a half percent inflation rate, right? Yeah. But we're looking at much much bigger. We've seen thir- a thirteen percent increase in housing costs in the last year, 
So everybody really needs to step back, take a look at your retirement plans, look at, look at uh, what you forecasted and make sure you've got assumptions in there and projections that take into consideration the numbers that we're seeing today, because what it means, guys, is we're all going to have to save a lot more money. All right. But one, one thing that, that we want to make sure we think about, too, you know, I just saw I just saw a couple of days ago, I think it was uh, the latest uh, life expectancy estimate just came out mm -hmm. and, and it, it showed that the average life expectancy for you know a U.S. citizen now is down to 76. Yeah. And that's right? I mean, that's considerable. That's considerable. It's like it, it, my wife says, what are we, a third world country now? You know, it I mean, guys, I don't even think I don't even, I don't even think we're in the top 10. I don't even know if we're in the top 20 anymore. Um, you know, so it's down to 76. It hasn't been there in over since the mid 90s. All right. Some of it is due to covid. All right. Because we had the worst the worst response in the entire world. Uh, but some of it is just due to obesity and other lifestyle factors that that have gotten a hold of people. And, and so uh, what my point, though, is even though you're seeing these numbers, I think it's really very, very important that don't assume, you know, that that, uh, you know, your time is up at 76 or 77, because if you make that your plan and then you have good health or maybe they, you know, science, science and medical science is always finding new cures. Right. New ways to extend people's lives. If you make that bet that you're going to be gone before you turn 80 and you happen to live a long life, you're going to you could very likely have a very miserable time if you didn't plan on having having money to last you through that through that period of time. So I would strongly suggest planning on, you know, a longevity of at least into your 90s. I would recommend at least to the mid 90s. Uh, a lot of people don't want, you know, a lot of people push back on me for that, saying, you know, nobody in their family has ever lived that long. And my answer is that that it's 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 one heck of a risk to take, though, don't you think? Oh yeah, um, you know. And and so I say, if if you've got the ability to work a little longer, if you're anywhere on the borderline, you know, where you're thinking you might have enough, you're not sure if you have enough, then just just work another year or two, because that's another year or two less that you'll be withdrawing from your accounts, and one or one or two more years that you're going to be adding to those accounts. And if you can push back the claim on Social Security, it'll give you that much bigger of a check. And I want to mention, guys, if you're married, whoever is the highest income earner, to me, if you're planning on staying married, that the higher the person that has the higher Social Security check, it's that much more important that you wait as long as you can, uh, because the surviving spouse, when one of you passes, the surviving spouse is going to get the bigger of the two checks. They will not get both checks. They will only get the bigger of the two checks. And so if you have the bigger one, that's the one that's going to you know, go to the survivor it, 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 even if you don't think you personally, you know, if I'm speaking to the men out there and I'm being stereotypical, I know um, if the man is a higher earner and you think you're going to die first, well, you know what? Your wife is probably going to live a lot longer. She's going to get the survivor benefit. So so make sure you give that due thought when you're figuring out when you want to claim your Social Security. Um, you, you know, one of the other things we talk about, and, and, I, and I don't see this word very often, Steve, is, is tedium. Yeah, tedium what, is risk. That, what does that mean? Tedium risk. Is that a thing? It, it's it's like boredom or tedious yeah, things right. being tedious, yeah. you know, and and so so basically what what we're talking about here is uh, estimating how much you know this is estimating a budget when you're in retirement, and we want to make sure that it includes all the stuff you do for for fun for a good time, right? If you like going out with friends, I don't know if you like going to a sports bar, or if you like going on the golf course, or if you like to travel, or if you want to you know do a lot of traveling that can be very very expensive, especially now, and so it's very important that. You, you have a budget, right? And you do your best to stick to it, um, especially in retirement. In my opinion, your budget in retirement and your discipline, your financial discipline in retirement is far more critical than it was while you were working. 
All right. Because you could get away with blowing a little extra money one week or one month or something while you're working because you know you've got another paycheck coming. You've got more income coming in. So if you blew a little more than you thought, you spent a little more than you should have, you know, it's probably okay because you're going to make more money and you can earn it back. All right. But if you make that mistake when you're retired, that could have devastating consequences. So discipline and sticking to your budget in retirement to me is, is one of the most critical elements to ensuring that you have a good, long, comfortable retirement where you never have to worry about running out of money. Well, you talk about the tedium, you know, having it being tedious. And, and if we don't have enough to do, one of the things that we like to do is spend money. Yeah, no, no question, right? You, you, you Which know gets what? us I, in trouble. Gets, it, it does, right? I tell my wife all the time, I don't, well, one, I don't, you know, I don't really like shopping. I don't like going to stores. And, and so for me, that's a good thing because that means I'm not going to spend any money. Right. And, and, uh, but then came along Amazon, right? Well, you and, never have to leave the house. And, so you don't even have to leave, you don't have to leave your bedroom, right? I right. mean, <laughs> you, you don't even have to get out of bed. Um, you, you know, and, and, and so, uh, if I'm doing any shopping, it's online at home. Um, but, but you know what, what surprised me is that apparently a lot of people put shopping in the entertainment category. And I, I actually didn't realize that. I, I read it a couple of weeks ago. Some woman, uh, she, she wrote, a, wrote, I forgot, it was written, it was an article written by a female author. And she pointed out how shopping is one of her favorite activities for entertainment. And I just never thought about it that way. No, nor and, I. You know, and, and so that surprised me. And I said, huh, okay, well, I, I guess it makes sense. You know what, if, you, if that's in your budget and you've got the money to do it and that's what you consider you know, enjoyable and, and it's entertaining for you, then I guess more power to you. You know, my, my, whole, my point though, is to just be, you know, we, we gotta be, we have to be careful with these things, right? Because not all of us are billionaires. Uh, or have just an abundance of money coming in when we're retired. And if you're one of one of those you know, mere mortals like myself, then you want to be careful about what you're spending, right? You want to make sure you put it in your budget, how much you're going to spend on entertainment, whatever it is that you like to do for a good time. Maybe, you know what, if, you, if you've got a big family, you've got a lot of kids, a lot of grandkids, and you like to you know, lavish them with gifts, you really need to make sure that's in your budget too, right? Right. And so everything you spend your money on, every dollar, ideally, every dollar that comes out is, is, is uh, accounted for in your budget. So we call it tedium because no, it's, it's not the most exciting thing to do. Uh, but I tell you what, the results to me are very exciting. The result being a happy, enjoyable retirement where you never have to worry about running out of money. Yeah. To me, that's exciting. Sure. Well, and again, it, uh, it, it just, you're right though. There, there, there's as much discipline needed to save money as there is to, um, well, I guess not spend. I mean, I know that's kind of the same thing, but well, not really. I mean, to not spend it, uh, is, is it, that takes discipline too. It, it it really does. It really does. I mean, if you think about it, you know, you've been working all your life, you're retired. Now you finally got, maybe you got a half a million, maybe you've got a million, maybe you've got a couple million, you know, and you could easily sit your, sit back and say, you know, I read about this around the world cruise I could do for like a hundred grand, you know, maybe I should just pull out a hundred grand and go for it. And maybe that'll be fine. You know, it's really, it really requires a lot bigger discussion and a lot more evaluation than, than just off the cuff. But, but I think that people can be tempted to do things when you're sitting on a good amount of money. I think you can be tempted to do things that maybe you're better off not doing. In fact, uh, um, you know, buying a new home when people retire is fairly common. You know, they move into a retirement community or move to a different state where there's better weather or something. Mm -hmm. um, but you know what? That's one of the biggest regrets that a lot of retirees have is actually buying that home. In fact, I've lived next to next to a fair amount of them. Uh, I'm, I moved here. Anybody that's listened before might know me and my wife, you know, moved to uh, out to Arizona in 2011 from outside of Chicago. Uh, and there's a, a ton of people from the Midwest in Arizona. And I've met a lot of them that retired and moved here. And then they were here for 
five, six, seven, maybe 10 years, and then they move back. And, and, and they decide they want to go back to being closer to their family or uh, just generally the, the, the reason that they cite. Uh, but think about the expense involved with that. Oh think about gosh. how much they paid. And think about the commissions that they paid, right? Yeah. Oh, my the gosh. Moving, the moving expenses. I mean, it's a, it's a big endeavor. I mean, standard real estate commissions are, were, were, you know, I think are still in the 5 to 6% range. I think so, too. Uh, yeah. You know, you can definitely do better. But if you sell a, I don't know, three or $400,000 house, you turn around and buy one, that probably costs you at least 50 grand, you know? And, and, and so, so it's something to be careful of. It's just something to be aware of and be careful of it. You know, one of the other risks we talk about in retirement is healthcare costs. Oh you know, a gosh. lot of people, you know, healthcare can be, is likely going to be one of your biggest, most, one of your largest expenses in, in retirement, I believe is healthcare. Um, and, and a lot of it's just due to the, a lot of it is the premiums, you know, but you've seen, you've probably all seen studies of $250,000, dollars that, that you, that you'll probably need for your retirement. And what they're saying is that your retirement could be 30 years and maybe you'll spend eight or $10,000 a year on healthcare. That's what they're saying is a cumulative total. Um, but, but it's, but it's real. It's a real number. And because you've got to pay the out of pocket, you know, Medicare does not pay everything you want to re- right? You want to remember that, um, you know, Medicare is going to pay 80% of it. You're on the hook for the 20%. Uh, a lot of people get into these Medicare, like when you turn 65, and by the way, guys, if you're coming up on 65, you really want to apply three or four months before you turn 65 to give the government time to process everything and make sure make sure you get in there. You don't want to enroll late because if you enroll into Medicare late, you're going to be paying a, a late penalty for the rest of your life. You have, you'll, you'll pay elevated premiums for the rest of your life. So you don't want to miss it. Um, but also be careful because a lot of people, there's a choice you're going to have to make between a Medigap or a, or a Medicare supplement plan. Uh, which a lot of the more affluent people tend to gravitate towards because it's more flexible. All right. Generally, you can go any to any doctor that takes Medicare anywhere around the country. Um, and some of the supplements even have provisions for international travel if you need healthcare when you're traveling outside of the country. All right. Be careful of the Medicare Advantage plans and make sure you understand how they work because the majority of them are uh, uh, have a very specific local network of doctors and facilities that you can use. And so a lot of times, a lot of the ones that I've seen don't provide any coverage if you're out of your local area, all right? And that can lead to what is the, one of the biggest causes of bankruptcy, which is medical bills, all right? Imagine you've got a Medicare Advantage plan thinking you're covered and you happen to travel out of state to see, I don't know, your son or your grandson or something, uh, and you're out of state and you get sick and you go to a doctor and it's not part of your network, you're going to be on the hook for the whole bill, Okay. So make sure you look at the provisions before you sign up for whether you choose, because you're going to have to choose a Medicare Advantage plan or Medicare supplement, but you don't have to. You could go without either, uh, which I don't recommend. Um, but just be aware of how they work uh, and, and make sure that you understand uh, the restrictions. All right. So I just I wanted to touch on that since we're talking about healthcare. Um, and, and, and OK, I, 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 uh, I have to get political for, for just one minute, guys, if you would uh, uh, allow me. Sure. There, there is a plan out there um, floated by the chairman of the Republican Party called Rick Scott out of Florida. He's a senator out of Florida. He's got a website that they call Rescue America, um, and it's called his Rescue America plan. And my interpretation is screw America. It's screw America. All right. There's a provision in there that says all federal legislation sunsets in five years and that if it's a good law, Congress can pass it again. That is almost a quote. All right. That's from his government reform. I think it's section six. Okay. So what I'm asking everybody, if you're thinking about supporting the GOP, please, please, please read the platform. 
All right. Because guys, what that means is every five years, Congress can decide, do they want to cut your social security payment? Do they want to cut the reimbursement rates for Medicare? Do they want to cut the subsidies? All right. That the Medicare receives. Most people don't realize that the government pays about 75% of your Medicare premium. All right. That's what they're paying. So the piece you pay, like the Medicare that most people, that the people below 90,000, 91,000 in income, if you're single, about 180, 182, if you're married, then you have the lowest price Medicare plan, which is about $177 a month. Okay. 177. If you're married and that go, your income goes over 182, that premium goes, it like triples. Okay. So it's, so it, there is an impact um, that's there, but that 177 that you're paying, that is by no means the entire amount that it costs. It's being subsidized by the federal government and they're subsidizing, you know, a large portion of it. And, and so what the legislation that he's putting out there, he's doing it under the pretense of cutting the national debt. Granted, we have a lot of debt, but I think it'd be a catastrophe if they start cutting Medicare and Social Security. Uh, those programs are two, two of the programs that a lot of people rely on su substantially. And that is part of the plan. So before you start saying this is fake news or it's not real, please look it up, read it, and make sure you understand, make sure you take a look and understand what these folks are proposing. Um, this isn't a joke. And don't just write it off saying, oh, they'll never do that. If they're never going to do that, why in the world are they bothering to put it in writing and saying they've got the ability to do that? So I just want to touch on it. Please read it. Look at it. Make sure you understand whoever you're voting for, what they support, um, and what the implications could be and the ramifications for the, for the public. Sure. All right. And, uh, folks, if you'd like to reach out to Kevin and have a conversation, uh, now would be a great time, 800 975 6717 is the phone number. Better yet, visit the website, silverleaffinancial.com, silverleaffinancial.com. You can reach out to Kevin right there on the homepage and uh, send him an email and uh, get your questions answered. Yeah, by all means, please, please reach out, folks. Uh, you know, there's a lot of articles. We've got the podcast up there. We've got videos. There's all sorts of information. We try to keep it fresh every week uh, with new content. So please check out the website, silverleaffinancial.com. Uh, I think you'll like it. And if you don't, either way, let me know. I'd yeah. love to hear your thoughts on it. Very nice. Um, and so, you know, we talked about health care. That's a that's kind of a scary subject. Uh, but let's talk about asset and risk allocation. So poor yes. asset allocation, poor risk allocation. Those are things that we talk about really at length many weeks, Kevin. And, and it still yes. becomes an issue that needs to be discussed. It, it does, because a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of folks that, pardon me, they become, they're, you know, they're risk averse. They don't want to take a lot of risk with their with their money, which is fine. That's their choice. Um, but I think it can be tr to your detriment sometimes if, for instance, you have all of the money in cash. You know, for I, I might have mentioned it. I'm not sure if I mentioned it on, on a podcast, but I, I met a woman uh, maybe a year, maybe two years ago. Um, and uh, it was a referral from uh, from another client. And I believe the only reason she talked to me is because, you know, my client referred her to me. Um, but it was just one meeting. But in that one meeting, we sat down. She showed me her statement. She had a million one. In, in, in the bank, in a savings account, okay? Earning basically nothing. And, and she's very, very risk averse, right? She didn't want to take a chance. And, and I asked her, I said, why don't, why don't you just put her in something guaranteed rate? I could have gotten her, I think, 3% at that point. I, at that point, I could get a five-year guarantee of 3%. Uh, fully guaranteed, fully guaranteed. No risk, no cost. Uh, she didn't want to do it because she, she, because she, she didn't, a lot of folks, they just want to, they do, they want to do what they've always done. You know, you, you, you know, this bank is down the street. They've been there for all this time. And so they're comfortable. They've gone in there a million times. And so they just want to stay there because that's what they're comfortable with. 
But I think I think that could, you know, in this case, I, I told her, I said, you understand, I could make you an extra, you know, you could make an extra thirty thousand dollars a year, right? Without taking an iota of risk. And and think about what the money could do. You've got you, you know, you got grandkids that are gonna be going to college. How about if you think about giving them money towards college? Put that money towards college, give it to a charity, or or, or just have some fun, you know. But you're talking an extra twenty five hundred dollars a month. And 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 so I think I think sometimes people make the mistake. They get they get uh, overly overly concerned about risk, and they don't even want to consider alternatives. And that's you know, and that I think uh, I think it's a detriment. I think she she could have she could have made you know over the course of a few years quite a bit more money, um, but didn't want to because she was afraid of the risk. So you know, there are vehicles out there that don't have any risk of loss that you won't lose a penny, but you can make you can do so much better than you can in a bank savings account. Um, banks are typically paying you some of the lowest rates out there. And so if you're willing to open up your mind and consider some other alternatives, there are some really nice vehicles out there. You know, we, we, I've talked about index annuities many times. You have to be careful because there are some of them that are lousy. I'll be the first one to tell you that. They're not all good. Just like everything in this world, there's nothing that is all good, right? I'll, you know, t- t- pick whatever you like. Some cars are lemons, you know, some computers are lemons, and some people are lemons. And uh, so unfortunately, that's how it is. But I can help you figure out the good ones, and I can show you some that have made between seven and eight percent a year for the last ten years without any risk at all, without any risk of market loss, and to me that's a far better move than just uh, uh, than tucking in and covering and and preparing, you know, uh, basically surrounding, you know, putting yourself in something that has no risk but also doesn't have any earnings. Sure. Uh, on, you know, on the other hand, though, there are some people that are that are just say say, you know what, I want to go for it. I've, I've met some folks on the other end of the spectrum too. I sat down with one, and he says, you know, Kevin, I think. I think to make money, you really just have to make big bets. You just need to put like everything in one stock. And, and I, said, wow. I said, I said, okay, well, I have heard, you know, I know some people do that. I said, you know, that it's a, it, right. That knife cuts both ways. Right. Uh-huh. And, and I said, I, I would never do that. I can't possibly recommend that. Um, but that was his opinion. He, he just wanted to make big bets and, and says, you know, uh, that's how, that's how he wants to do it. And so, there are people on both, you know, all up and down the spectrum is reality, but you don't want to take so much risk, um, you know, that that if it does not work how you think it's going to, you know, uh, that you that you're going to take a big hit that you might not be able to to, to handle. I um, make, big, it, <laughs> make big bets, bets right? I cannot lie, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It. Uh, oh my gosh, you know, and and there's no question. I and, and what this guy cited, he's like, well, isn't that how? Isn't that how these guys like you know Bezos? Isn't that how he got rich? No. And, well, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. Okay, but but that's a different scenario. That's because his company happened to do really well, and his company was you know giving him stock options and and all these things that he didn't really pay for. He, they were just given to him. Um, you know, so it's 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 a, it's a different scenario. But that was his example. He's he's thinking about all the millionaires and billionaires of companies that founded companies. You know, which of course they're you know we can name a bunch of them. Uh, but my point is, I don't think that's a safe way for most you know what I call ordinary mortals to think about how they invest. I think it's a much smarter move. You know, to make sure you got everything set up for your that income that you need is guaranteed. You're gonna have income coming in every month. Make sure you've got money put away for long-term care. If you ever happen to need that, you've got something I can show you. I've talked before about how we can do it on tax-free basis. And then when you've got all those bases covered, because those are those are your biggest risks, in my view, are not having a sufficient income or having too much in, in nursing home or long-term care that, that uh, you don't have insurance for. Those are the biggest risks you've got to prepare for. So once we have those taken care of, then I say, you know what? This other money is discretionary. 
if you're comfortable taking the risk of the stock market, maybe we put some in the stock market and that's how we can give ourselves a hedge, you know, against price, against inflation and rising prices over time. Yeah. I mean, again, that you make sense when you say that. And, and you know, we, we talk about sort of being, you know, risk averse and then you're willing to risk everything. Um, but we've got to talk about we got to talk about inflation, I think, for just a second and how that fits into this uh, the scenario. And last week, as you know, Kevin, um, the it was the annual Jackson Hole uh, meeting with the yes. uh, Jerome yeah. Powell uh, made the, the summit. The summit. Well, and, yeah. and I'll tell you what, this is this is about 30 seconds from his speech, but it, it really cuts to the heart of the matter. Restoring price stability will take some time and requires using our tools forcefully to bring demand and supply into better balance. Reducing inflation is likely to require a sustained period of below trend growth. Moreover, there will very likely be some softening of labor market conditions. While higher interest rates, slower growth, and softer labor market conditions will bring down inflation, they will also bring some pain to households and businesses. These are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation. Pain. I don't like pain. No, I don't, I don't like it either. And, and if you guys caught what he said, that was, you know, again, that was Jerome Powell, Jerome Powell head of the Central Bank, uh, Federal Reserve. Uh, he's the boss. Um, and these are the guys that affect the economy. It's not the president. It's not the last president. It's the Federal Reserve. Right. They're the ones that have the biggest impact on the economy. Well, all you have to uh, do is after that speech, look what happened in the market. That's right, guys. The day he did that, that's when, th when the market dropped, a th the Dow dropped a thousand points. Right. That so was because who's of in charge, speech. really? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, it's Jerome, Jerome Powell. Um, you know, and so when he said uh, that it's likely going to require, what did he say, a sustained period of below trend growth? Yes. And so that's that's Fed speak for to me. That's Fed speak for a recession, right? Below trend. Oh, trend I see. I see what you did there. <laughs> and and yeah, right. And that's what he's. It's a, it's a fancy way of saying that the Fed is probably going to have to drive us into a recession in order to slow down, slow the economy down enough that we can get inflation back under control. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's probably going to lead to job cuts. Uh, and you might have noticed a lot of companies already announcing that. All right. So um, if you're if you're retired and you've got money in the stock and bond markets, it's always a good time to take a look at your allocation. Make sure you've got good diversification. You're not too concentrated in one area. I'd make sure you don't have to, if, if you've got any exposure to some of these high flying stocks, uh, in, in particular in the tech sector, some of them on the biotech sector uh, that were just flying, you know, I'm talking about companies like DocuSign and Peloton and Zoom. Um, you know, most of them don't have very strong earnings. Some have no earnings. And, and so those high flyers, think about if you guys know the ARC family of funds and Kathy Wood, you'll notice that her, her funds have just gotten crushed. Uh, she did very well in the bull market, but she tends to go with the very high flying stocks. And, and those are the ones that don't have the earnings to support it. Those are the ones to be really, really careful of. I would avoid them. Uh, I, I would stick with value stocks that have solid earnings that are trading below their historical valuations. Uh, and, and I like dividends. I think dividends are something to focus on right now because we're at, we've been stuck in a sideways market for a while. And so if you're not making anything from the appreciation side, remember that the growth of the stock market, going back historically, when we talk about, you know, the market averages, you know, nine or 10% a year, depending on what time frame you look at, that includes reinvestment of the dividends. Okay. So as long as you're getting dividend payment, at least you have some income coming in. 
and you've got some growth to the portfolio, even if we're going sideways. And there, there are some really good dividend plays out there. If you look at it, one of my clients' portfolios, um, I've, I've got her averaged out. I just, I just spoke to her accountant yesterday. So I just looked at the numbers. <laughs> They're doing estimated taxes. And um, uh, she's got just over a million dollar portfolio and she's getting 2,800 a month in income. Um, and, and so it works out to, I think it's about 3.2 or 3.3% average, uh, you know, which, which I believe is very good. It's better than the S&P uh, and it's got low risk than the S- less risk than the S&P. So, so it's something to take a look at. Um, make sure like, like this, the whole conversation is about inflation. I can't stress it enough. It looks like it's going to be around a while, for a while, guys. Uh, so, and, and, and looking at going into recession, looks like we're going into recession in 23. All right. So uh, to me, it looks like we might, might not have a lot more upside from the stock market um, unless we see something change, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you know, Russia backs out of Ukraine or the mess with China and Taiwan simmers down. That to me is a powder keg that could be a big one um, to watch out for. And um, hopefully that won't turn into anything significant. Uh, but there's a lot of issues. And by the way, as far as in, in inflation in the United States, um, just so you guys know, there's a lot of countries around the world, uh, all over the world, is everybody's seeing inflation. All right. So it's not, don't just blame, don't think that it's our policymakers that have put us in this mess. Okay. In my opinion, it's the pandemic, it's COVID. That's what put us in this mess. Yeah. Because- I just read today, I think, Kevin, that uh, worldwide or maybe that was just Western Europe where inflation was 9.1%. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's 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 all all over Europe. Um, yeah, I mean, and, I, and all, it really is all around the world inflation right now. And and so to me, it's because of the pandemic. And it's because everything got locked down, everything got locked down and shut down. And then all the governments around the world started turn down the printing presses and were printing money, not just in the States, all over the place, everywhere, including including, you know, Japan and China and Asia, from Asia to Europe, you know, they were all printing money and putting all this money in people's pockets. And, and that's what drives inflation. It's too much money chasing too few goods. That's what causes inflation. So when they put all this money in there, they shut down the world, they shut down the economy, and then we start it back up again when everyone's got all this extra money in their pocket and we've got all these shipping issues. Th- these are the factors that, that, in my opinion, have contributed to the inflation. It doesn't have anything to do with you know Democrat or Republican. It has to do with what we went through for the last few years around the world. And, and so what, one thing, another thing I would suggest, guys, is bump up your cash cushion. I think it's a great time to increase your cash reserves, increase your emergency fund, take a look at it, especially if you're somebody uh, that's in a job where you don't have a lot of seniority. It's very important to increase your cash reserves because, unfortunately, usually those, the people with less seniority are the ones that get laid off first. So you want to make sure you're prepared and that if you do get hit, with a layoff that you've, that you've got extra cash in the bank, uh, you know, to get through those tough times. So if I've got a plan and, and I'm looking for that second opinion, like we often talk about, you know, this is a, probably the best time to get that second opinion, wouldn't you think? I mean, because there's so much going on. And, and if you have a plan and you haven't looked at it in a while, you know, Kevin, you're the guy that you're the guy I'm going to see. Oh, you know, you know yes. And, and, you, and Steve, that's 100 percent right. This is it, it, and, and you know what I tell, I, I tell a lot of folks that, you know, the truth is, because uh, some people say, oh, you know, I don't, uh, I've had some people say, oh, I feel bad leaving my advisor, you know, even though I don't feel good about her anymore. And, and I point out to them that, you know, the fact of the matter is everybody that I deal with, they always had a different advisor before they came to me. That, that's, 
that's just, that's just a reality. That's just the, um, well, I think that tells a good story. It, you know, it's it's reality. No, okay, now some I should I should say like ninety percent of people are in that case. Some people that work with me are you know like kids that their parents referred to me. Sure. And so in that case, I'll be their first advisor. But um, but the vast majority has always come from somebody else. And and a lot of times it, it could be poor communication. It could be you know not happy with the returns. It could be uh, there's too much volatility in my portfolio. I think they're taking too much risk. I don't want that much risk. Um, you know, so these are all reasons to sit down with somebody. And you know what? Even if you're not necessarily unhappy, I think it's always a good idea to get a second opinion because maybe you could find out some ideas that you weren't aware of. You know, a lot of times people kind of fall into their old habits and they just do the same thing they've always done. Um, well, you know what? If you do that, you might not find a really good new idea. Maybe you don't want. Maybe they haven't tried some some other types of investments. There's a lot of different strategies out there that can be employed. And, and so personally, I always like to look around, get as much information as I can, because then I feel like I can make the best decision is when I've got information from numerous sources, not just from one source. All right. Just like with news, I like to get my news from numerous sources on both sides. All right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not getting So I'm not getting a biased opinion and, and, it, and it applies to finance as well. Um, guys, one thing to remember, that's one thing I mentioned, you know, I am a fiduciary and that means that I've taken an oath, if you will, to put my client's interests first, above mine, ahead of mine, ahead of my company and any company I represent, the client comes first. It's the highest legal standard that we have. But remember, a lot of advisors, financial advisors do not, okay, do not adhere to that standard. And so I think that's something to take a look at. And remember, not everybody operates to that standard. And you also want to remember that a lot of people that are on the insurance side, that maybe they recommended an annuity to you, which, which might be just fine. There are some really good annuities, but there's some bad ones too, all right? But a lot of insurance folks, they're only licensed for annuities. So, so you might be appropriate and you might feel good about having some money in the stock market, but if they don't have those licenses, they can't help you with that. And they're not legally, they're not, a, they're not allowed to talk about it. And on the other hand, you've got guys that are just the stockbrokers. All they do, you know, to them, they're a hammer and everything looks like a nail. So all the money that come, you know, all the people that come through the door that have money, they're going to recommend stocks and bonds. All right. And a lot of them aren't licensed for insurance, which means they can't recommend an annuity. All right. And maybe that would be a good fit for a person, you know, because personally, I think they both have a place in a lot of portfolios. Oh, sure. I, you know, most of my clients have both. They've got stocks and bonds and they have annuities. All right. And many other things, too. Uh, I like to mix it up. And I think it does. And I think it serves most investors very well because they're all going to perform differently. But it all starts with making sure you know who you're talking to and knowing what licenses they have and what expertise they have. All right. So that's a it's a good time when you're doing your review to, to, to just remind yourself of those things and, and make sure you're working with somebody that uh, can work on both sides of the street, if you will. This for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, hosts, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. 
What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.